Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Commons People, the Huffington Post politics podcast. This week we'll be discussing the Donald and the May Labour's by-election blues, the Brexit briefing, and our new section, in case you missed it. I'll just console yourselves, everyone. Paul War is not with us. He's been dispatched to the USA to secure a free news deal with the Donald. So instead, you have me, Owen Bennett, Ned Simons. Hello, Ned. Hello. Martha Gill. Hello. Bit more excitement, Martha. Hello. Come on. And also joining us is our new quiz master, the Countess from Cowbridge, Sarah Harris. Hello. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm great. You did the quiz when I was off, didn't you? Yes, I did. How yeah. was it? Uh, the feedback was pretty good. Was it? Yeah. Well, good. Better I mean, than your quizzes. The fact that you're back now doing it suggests that <laughs> there was a clamour, certainly amongst... You've got to give the fans what they want. I'd say people in the room, mainly, were asking that. Anyway, let's kick off with uh, what's going on over the pond. There's only been a week since Trump's inauguration he has done so much i mean you can't say he's one of these politicians who has been sitting around doing nothing he's been um well, he's been doing lots of stuff torturing people he's been talking about banning torture people. talking about building this wall uh, here's a clip of him uh, talking about torture in an interview he gave to uh, abc mr president now, personally, you to- mr president you told me during one of the debates that you would bring back waterboarding yeah. and a hell of a lot worse i would words. do what i would do i want to keep our country safe I want to keep our country safe. What does that when mean? When they're shooting, when they're chopping off the heads of our people and other people, when they're chopping off the heads of people because they happen to be a Christian in the Middle East, when ISIS is doing things that nobody has ever heard of since medieval times, would I feel strongly about waterboarding? As far as I'm concerned, we have to fight fire with fire. Theresa May in Prime Minister's questions uh, yesterday was asked whether she would, um, the UK's position on torture would change. Here's, here's the question and response. When she sees him on Friday, will the Prime Minister make clear that in no circumstances will she permit Britain to be dragged into facilitating that torture as we were after September the 11th? I, I can assure Minister. my honourable friend that we have a very clear position on torture. We do not sanction torture. We do not get involved with that, and that will continue to be our position. So, Theresa May is over in America meeting Donald Trump. How does she play this? Because there was, I think Ed Miliband actually asked one of the questions yesterday about how Theresa May is a representative of the of the kind of the Western world, the sensible world, you know, planet Earth, maybe perhaps to Donald Trump. Yeah. So what, what's her role? What's she trying to get out of this? And think of this as well. When she was going out there, it was already going to be difficult for her. This was before the torture sort of comment in that interview came out. So he's already had a problem with, with climate change, with NATO, with free trade deals, the TPP that Trump's pulled out of. Um, and also all Trump's sort of misogyny, which people are very upset about. So she already had kind of a difficult situation in terms of how she plays it in public before this whole torture kind of debate started. So this is quite a bad time for her. talk about torture, though, 
in his campaign, didn't oh, he? It's just not, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't come out of, and, out of nowhere. And people shouldn't be surprised. And I think this idea that a lot of people who want to give him the benefit of the doubt that you know his campaign rhetoric will be different than what he actually does repeatedly keep being shown to be wrong. You know, for one thing you could say about him is he's not actually unpredictable. He's very predictable. He said he's going to do things and he's trying to start to do them. But it's the fact that he said it so close. I mean, you know, Theresa May was basically in the air, almost, on her way to the plane when this has all happened. And I think they're in the air now, aren't they, as we record this? Yeah, because it's the one so, time when Paul's not able to text us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so, uh, he'll fi- he'll really find a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know how she plays. It's really, really difficult for her. Obviously, she wants to cozy up to the new administration, but, you know, post-Brexit, we're kind of leaving Europe behind, maintain our alliance with America, but it's going to not play great back home, I think, so, appearing alongside Trump. So, Martha, yeah, I mean, it, go on. I mean, does, does, is it the fact that Donald Trump wants to be seen to be hanging around with big, important people, Theresa May, and Theresa May needs to make it look like we're going to get a good trade deal with America to make it look like Brexit success. So is there kind of back scratching going on here? Yeah, I, th- I think she probably can't afford to uh, lecture Donald Trump on his various kind of outrages um, that, that other people are taking issue with. I think probably my sense is that that people, certainly perhaps not other politicians, uh, but, but people will want her to get the best deal possible out of this uh, rather than kind of make some sort of stand which will ultimately not really do yeah, anything I, I um you know on behalf of of women or the environment i i, I just can't I, I can't see that making any difference at all whereas if if she if she gets on trump's side if she cozies up to him um as as people are expecting there's a possibility we could get a, a good deal this is all, yeah. these are all the si- these are all the signals that trump has given out so far i right? think one problem she has though is that trump you know he does have an extremely thin skin to mm, criticism exactly. and it, obviously it's very unlikely that Theresa may publicly is going to come out and criticize him for things he said but sometimes she won't have a choice if she's asked a question at any press conference alongside him when she's in america you know, we know that Trump takes any slight criticism very exactly. much to so heart. Exactly, the, so these kind of hints that she's going to, you know, uh, flatter him and try... Yeah. I mean, that's exactly the approach you take with with a sort of somebody who's like a narcissist. Yeah, absolutely. But sometimes she might not have a, a choice. I and mean, yeah. if we talk about kind of the bigger picture for the United Kingdom's mm. place in the world, an issue such as torture, you know, do we want to go back to where we were, you know, 10 years ago where we were, you know, accused of being complicit in what the CIA was doing? It, I don't know if that's... Yeah, there's a big it picture is, in terms of us getting a trade deal. Theresa May not got a role as you know a serious head of state of a serious country, or head of states with the prime minister of a serious country, to say to Donald Trump, look, there are certain things as an international community we have agreed upon, and whether it's you, he's pulling funding out of certain UN programs which the the US puts money into, which is sort of starting to unravel these things. Does she not have a a, a, a moral obligation to say, look, Mr. President, this is not you know you might get away with it in America, but internationally. You, you know, you, there is still a framework here. And hopefully behind the scenes, there will be a bit of that. It might not be on the first trip, you know, first meeting. I suppose this is about, you know, consolidating a relationship and getting closer to him. I think if you are close to him, then behind the scenes, perhaps you can push back against. I think that's exactly what she suggested in PMQs this week, isn't it? When she said, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to speak frankly uh, to the president, but the reason I can do that is because of the mm. special relationship and it's important to establish that first. That's... I'm no, paraphrasing, but she yeah, said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, one way to, uh, you know, any relationship to be consolidated is the giving of gifts. Wouldn't you agree, Sarah? I would absolutely agree. And you didn't bring me back a gift when you came back from paternity leave, so... I bought I bought my daughter in the other day to work to see you. That all. was a gift. I don't think she so. I guess to keep beautiful. your daughter, though. It's like <laughs> it would do me a favour. I would say, though, because I, when the inauguration was on last week, 
my, this is really boring, but my daughter has this thing where she keeps clapping now. She's only eight months old, but she loves clapping. So whenever she hears clapping, she claps along. So in watching the inauguration, everyone started clapping after Donald Trump became president. She just stood up and like started really <laughs> clapping as well. I was like, we do not want to get into oh. the habit of applauding. That's not, one of, the, it's not one of the fatherly there. tweets you then tweet out to all your liberal friends on <laughs> Twitter, is it? You keep those ones quiet. Well, she knows to clap when Nigel Farage appears on screen. <laughs> right, right. House, okay. Yeah, that's, um, and also at the posters around the around the room of him as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, all the copies of Fallen Farage. Anyway, we're getting the ones that didn't (laughs) Sarah we have a quiz on this we do we do have a quiz on this so uh, Theresa May has taken uh, over some gifts for Donald Trump and his wife and he is receiving a quake which is a Scottish drinking bowl or cup which he'll be pleased to have because he obviously has his mother was Scottish although he doesn't drink so I don't know what he'll drink you from. He'll drink it. other things from you. <laughs> Just I, have to drink gin. I think he likes hot chocolate. I read that somewhere because he's a child. That, <laughs> really? that yeah. definitely makes or just a hot cup of milk. Yeah. She's giving him a bowl. A bowl, yes. What's she giving the wife? Uh, so the wife, <laughs> the missus, <laughs> the, the missus, Mrs. Trump yeah. is is getting a range of produce uh, from Checkers, which includes some apple juice, damson jam, and marmalade. Sorry, she's raided the <laughs> mo- the fridge. At Checkers, <laughs> and jam. some marmalade. Yeah. Uh, jam's jam, your corporate thing as well. She's nicked. How's that going to cement the special relationship? I got some stuff from the and is is a towel from the hotel room <laughs> and a sick bag from the plane. I mean, it's half a tub of margarine. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Teresa. They'll be very pleased. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. Get, call the plane back. Get it back. <laughs> no, because Paul. No, oh, that, right. yeah, go on. So, uh, so I'm going to quiz you on uh, other diplomatic gifts. Ah. Good. So I'm going to tell you the gift uh, that was given, and I want you to tell me who it was given from and to. Oh right, so not just the is UK. This, is this recently? Uh, relatively recently, the past past five years. Right, it's not really right. like like children. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Unite Europe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, okay, go on. okay. So, question one: a set of twenty-five DVDs of great American movies. Oh, I know. I know oh, yeah, yeah. This was uh, Ab- it was it to Obama from Bush. It was no, it was from Obama to Brown. Ah. But the rub was that yeah. they weren't. You couldn't watch them in Europe because they weren't compatible European DVD players. <laughs> and can you, for a bonus point, can you tell me what any of them were? Um, uh, White House Down. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, we have things like Raging Bull, Casablanca, Psycho and The Graduate. So there we go. Talk right. Me. Question two. Psycho. You gave a film called Psycho. <laughs> well. <laughs> Question two. Uh, a £216 sponge bag. When you say pound, is that... Not wait, wait. Uh, it cost two hundred and sixteen pounds. Sponge bag. How heavy were those bag. sponges? Um, is it anywhere in the world? So any leader to any leader? Yeah, but they'll be they're, they're very well known ones. Oh, okay. This is not, um, ni- this is not niche. Uh, Angela, Angela Merkel got it from um, David Cameron. Anyone else? Um, Angela Merkel got it from Francois Hollande. And the gift? Hey, no. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Grass. <laughs> uh, so that was. From Tony Blair to George Bush. You have a sponge bag. And it was embossed in gold with uh, the initials GWB. I bet Bush went, what does that stand for? (laughs) (laughs) Sponge bag, like for their sponge baths. That's really... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Question three. Who gave and received a page from the diary of Mahatma Gandhi? Ooh. A page? A pa- that's just a, bit, a page. Well, they just ripped a page out. So I'm not going to give you the whole thing. All right. Yeah, I've got just this. Just in case I meet any other <laughs> world, <laughs> leaders. world leaders. Here, yeah. Everyone who arrives gets a page. It's, on, it's not an original gift. Come on, Martha, what do you reckon? Um, 
So who would have his diary, do you know? Uh, well, probably his daughter, who was Indian, isn't Prime Minister, wasn't she? Yeah. Uh, to, um, I don't know. A, a British Prime um, Minister? Matteo Renzi of Italy, just because. This is actually quite different to what you've suggested. <laughs> Vladimir Putin gave it to Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. So he nicked the diary and then he's giving it back page. <laughs> it's like a rant. It's like a yeah. sort of ransom situation. That's just like, like knocking a bit of the Elgin marbles off and giving a bit of it to the Greek Prime Minister. <laughs> Cutting off the hostage's ear. Yeah, exactly. Sending that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Putin's never done that. Go on then. Uh, question four. The video game The Witcher 2. A computer game? A computer it's game. Just not, isn't that what happened in the House of Cards, based computer games? Yeah. Uh, the video, um, the okay, Witcher 2. video games? It's probably someone American. Someone American. Yeah. So you reckon... So probably probably quite, uh, <coughs> not that recently. It's been the past five years, you said. The oh, far so end yeah. of the Obama. past five who years. Who, who would have given it to Obama, a video game? Uh, but does he like video games? Oh, yeah, he likes drones, Bashir al-Assad gave it to <laughs> Obama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was actually the then Polish Prime Minister, Donald Tusk. It's gave it to Obama? Yeah. It's All right, of, cool. It's one so of that uh, right. Poland's... Greatest exports, The Witcher. Oh, fair play. Yeah. Okay. And final question. So uh, this is slightly naughty. This isn't uh, from a president or a prime minister. It's from a foreign secretary to a prime minister. A 750 milligram tub of goose fat. Oh, I think I know this. But I don't. As in, like, when I get told the answer, I'll then know it. Brilliant. That's not yeah, how this so work, Ned. Um, no, I don't know. <laughs> Dead air. That's uh, rubbish. So a foreign secretary. So let's say... Uh, it's probably... The Finnish I, foreign I, secretary. William yeah. Hague. William Hague. I reckon William Hague gave it to Hillary Clinton. Goose fat. Why would he be giving... Hillary goose Clinton fat. It's got to be fat. like Russia or, 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 or like... Yeah. Or somewhere where they just eat lots well, of... Well, there's a lot of geese. <laughs> yeah, geese and... They're dying, go on. I don't know. So this is actually from William Hague. Yes. You're correct. Oh. Uh, oh. In 2011, gave Australian Prime Minister Kevin Rudd some goose fat because uh, apparently it's good <laughs> if you've got a cold. Really? <laughs> and he'd That's been complaining st- that he had a cold. He didn't want to just wrestle him covered in goose fat. <laughs> I mean, who well, knows what happened when he arrived. Of course. Wrestled Seb Coe a lot. That's not a euphemism. <laughs> if there's any lawyers listening. Thank you. That's great, Sarah. Thank you very much. Very That's well. great. Applause. We did really badly. <laughs> Come on, Martha. That was a great Give quiz. Thank you. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. Cheers. So from foreign affairs back to domestic and Labour is facing yet another existential crisis, wondering just how to play it in the Stoke by-election caused by Tristram Hunt's resignation. The candidate that they picked to contest that uh, was a Remainer during the referendum, and he put some quite fruity tweets out about that, which maybe we'll come to later. But it's still unclear what Labour's position exactly is on Brexit. Here is Diane Abbott being grilled by Andrew Neil on the Sunday Politics. Is Labour prepared to pay that price for membership? I think we'll find that the Tories are going to have to pay money in order to uh, get the sort of access they need for British business. Uh, I'm, so I'm just... money is neither here nor there. Well, what about free movement of people in the jurisdiction of the ECJ? That is the price you pay for membership. Would Labour pay that? The EU has made it clear that you cannot have... Mm. Well, I'm asking for Labour's position. Our position is rooted in reality, and the reality so is that you cannot have the benefits of being mm. a member of the European Union, including being a member of the single market, without the responsibility. Sh- I and understand. they so include freedom of movement. Uh, 
Shadow Foreign Secretary Emily Thornberry was slightly clearer, perhaps, about how aggressive Labour would be. Here is her on Newsnight earlier this week. We do not trust them to go off on their own and negotiate on our behalf in Europe without us keeping an eye on them. And that's why today what we were saying was that, you know, that, that the Article 50, if it's going to be triggered, we will not get in the way of it, but we will try and amend the, yeah. the legislation in order to ensure that they keep coming back, that we keep an eye on it, and if necessary, there'll be hand-to-hand -hand combat on this. So you heard their hand-to-hand combat uh, Labour's going to engage in to... Defeat Brexit or not? Like not defeat. I think Brexit. This is the problem, isn't it? I mean, Theresa May lost the Supreme Court case, but really, you know, it's a kind of a relief for her. It's Labour that's really being screwed by Brexit because, like everyone knows, I've got leave seats and remain seats. And I think Emily Thornberry in that interview on Newsnight, she did make a point that was, you know, the party is going to be the only party that does represent all these different views. The Tories are kind of united behind what they're doing. The Lib Dems are so small that they're united, you know, about their position of being uber Remainers. I think this is a massive problem for Labour, and I think it's going to go beyond, you know, we've got two years, three years of this. I don't quite know how to get out of it, because they're stuck. I don't know what they so do. So how do they play Stoke, right? Because Stoke was, is, is being, I mean, UKIP are branding it kind of the, the, the Brexit capital, as they would do, because they want to make the Brexit division their high. Paul Nuttall, UKIP leaders, standing there. How do you play Stoke when... I mean, this, this is a quote from the candidate. Before he was selected, a tweet from Gareth Snell. This is a tweet. Soft Brexit, hard Brexit, massive pile of shit. Sloppy Brexit, messy Brexit, quit, quit, quit. I mean, that's... Good, good uh, poem, that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the view, right, of the guy that's going to try and represent a Brexit-heavy seat. So how does how do you how do you play it? Well... I don't know if it is if, if Brexit is actually Labour's biggest issue. That that what I'm what I'm hearing from from people doing kind of polling, their own polling, different parties doing their own polling, is that in fact, you know, Jeremy Corbyn is still like more of an issue for people who might want to vote Labour than uh, th than Brexit is. I mean, I guess there are quite a lot of people who no longer feel that strongly about Brexit either way. They don't necessarily need someone who's pushing really hard for a hard Brexit. They don't necessarily want someone who's going to row back on it. But that's the opposite it's of not what Labour said in the last by-election. In the previous by-elections before Christmas, you know, people who were running... Vernon Coker wrote a blog about it, who ran the campaign there, said that people on the doorstep in the streets wanted to talk about Brexit. We wanted to talk about the NHS, but they wanted to talk about Brexit. And actually, Corbyn didn't really come up. So that's... That's what they were saying before. So you think there's been a change now? Then I wonder. This is just what I've heard from a couple of people um, who've been out, who've been out campaigning in those places. Um, I mean, and we're going to see them kind of retreat back to the NHS thing, aren't we? I mean, they can attack Paul Nuttall for having said he wanted to privatise the NHS. I imagine that's what we'll see them doing quite a bit in, in that seat. Is that's certainly what that kind of, uh, I think they'll try and do. Their best, their best move now is to try and yeah move away from the issue of Brexit. And I guess perhaps. Perhaps because now Brexit is moving, we had Theresa May's very clear speech. It's difficult for UKIP to say, "Oh, the government are backsliding on Brexit." On Brexit, sorry, you must elect us. I think and, it's quite and, easy, and, 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 and so and Labour can push on the NHS a bit more, can't they? Is that yeah, right? although I think it's quite easy for UKIP to push on Brexit. They can say, "Look at these, <coughs> these, you know, these Remainer MPs, Parliament trying to block the will of the people." The the, in, yeah, the nuances of parliamentary votes on this bill and the white paper and what's going on that's quite a hard sort of you know conversation to have if you're UKIP you can it's a simple message you know we need to elect Paul Nuttall to stop MPs from backsliding on Brexit and blocking it I think that's a much easier message to sell which quite a lot of people who voted leave will be concerned about so we'll chat about Brexit let's play the jingle <laughs> 
Excellent jingle. Excellent jingle. <laughs> so, so this week we had, uh, well, we had the, the Supreme Court case ruling eight to three, the judges, that government does have to have a vote on whether to give the powers to Theresa May to trigger Brexit. And then we also had the government sort of agreeing of its own free will, perhaps, or wanting to slightly screw the Labour Party, they'd put a white paper forward detailing their plans for Brexit. Now, these are two separate things. I think they're being slightly conflated. The one on triggering Article 50 is very much, right, the train's going to leave the station. I'll give you permission to drive the train. The other one is very much where the train is going, right? Is that yeah. right, Hank? Yeah, that works. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so which one should those who want to object to Brexit, have a Brexit, be focusing on more? Is it the train leaving or the train's going? I think they're going to have to focus on where the train's going because yeah. they kind of accept that it's leaving. You've got a few MPs, you know, maybe always like 30, 40 well, Diane MPs. Abbott, in that clip we played earlier on, you know, she certainly didn't accept it. She's still talked about, you know, wanting freedom of movement, happy to pay you money, all that kind of stuff. And she's the front bench. Sure. But I think you know, the majority of MPs are going to vote to leave. They're not going to want to be against the result of the referendum. And now it just comes down to how we, how we do it. So I think that's what people are going to focus on, isn't it? Rather than the actual process where they do it i mean there might be a lot of shenanigans in the lords when the bill gets there with amendments being put in you know in terms of uh, but again the lords isn't going to try and block it so i think so if the lords do do try and block it is that going to be a great um opportunity for theresa may to completely you know strip out all these laws and start again remember there's you know they've got 100 lived them peers in there they could might well well get rid of so is that going to be hanging over the lord's heads do you think the yeah, it heads? could be there have been various mps who have been threatening that, that that she would flood them on the other hand with kind of 800 new peers <laughs> will allow the the bill to go through but yeah there's there's been talk of ref- made reform the house of Lords for a long time and there's never been quite the right moment but i think that probably they would take the opportunity to do it if if they did block so on our Brexit. scale of tim farron and nigel farage who is happier this week with Brexit? I think again, you've got to say Farage. I mean, the bill. Do you think? I think well, the the bill, it, the bill that you know that allows Prime Minister to trigger Article Fifty was published about an hour ago. That's quite a yeah. big moment. Whilst you know the outcome is perhaps not, you know, we know it's going. That is a moment. That is a this is a real thing. It's really happening. So I think in the wider picture, I think you're still going to be pretty happy if you're if you're Farage. Martha? Yeah, I broadly agree, although there have been all kinds of things that kind of sneaked out this week about the consequences of Brexit that that, that are going to upset people. I mean, I was keeping an eye on what's happening in the NHS. Uh, Jeremy Hunt was before a select committee explaining what Brexit would mean for the health service. And uh, one thing that it would mean... Uh, was, uh, was that the, this, this idea of charging people who are suspected to be health tourists is, was put on the back burner, kind of almost the opposite of what people who voted um, uh, voted to leave wanted. Um, and then, you know, there's this question if we don't quite get the right deal and it's a very tricky deal for him, to, to uh, um, for, for the NHS um, to navigate, we... We're, we won't have access to new medicines same at the same time as the EU and the US will be on the same ranking as Canada instead, who gets some kind of six months to a year after these other front rank countries. There are all kinds of consequences which are kind of dribble, dribbling out. And, uh, and yeah, we saw that this week. I think Tim Farron's happier this week. Because I think Theresa May is having to do two things she didn't want to do. One, because she was told to by by the judges. Another thing was actually she would have faced a bit of a back, a bit of a fight in her own party of this white paper. I don't think she really wants to put this white paper out. I think Tim Farron's probably quite happy because he's got stuff to amend now. He's got right, stuff that, to get yeah. his teeth into now. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I would be, if I was a, a backbench MP wanting to cause trouble, I would put all of Oatley's campaign promises as amendments to the white paper. 
I would put them all in, or, or, the, or the bill. I yeah. would just definitely, that's exactly what I would go for. So I could say, right, come on then, Boris, vote against it. Or, or, or just ignore it. But these are the things that you promised. So I think Tim Farron, I don't yeah, know broadly for us, but I think this week, these seven days, I think, I, I personally, I, I think, uh, I think Tim Farron, uh, which leads us on to, uh, in case you missed it, which is, as Martha was saying, there's plenty of news which dribbles out, which we don't always get a chance to keep an eye on. Smiling at that phrase, weren't you there, Ned? Yeah, good. Um, and Martha, this week, you've picked up a report which came out today. Yeah, there's a report by the Social Mobility Foundation out today which showed that um, there's, a, there's a class gap in professions. So if you're from a working class background, you're even if you kind of get on the first step of a particular profession, you're likely to be left behind in t- terms of earnings, um, which, is, which is worrying. We haven't actually seen much about this. We've seen the gender pay gap, but we haven't seen much about the class pay gap. But it is a very real thing. I think there's a 17% um, gap in some professions. Uh, the worst ones are, are for medicine and law, as you might expect. Journalism. Uh, perhaps journalism is also very high. I think it was second. Um, and uh, I mean, some of the some reasons of the this, this report says was because people from poorer backgrounds are less likely to ask for pay rises, less access to networks and work opportunities, and they kind of exclude themselves from promotion for fear of not fitting in, is one of the things. So we talk a lot about getting people into these professions, but then once they're in, even though it's still very low uptake, the idea that they're on average £6,800 a year worse off. I mean, I know that I get paid substantially more than you, Ned. Well, that's only, only fair, because sure. Because I, you know, <laughs> come from a better breed. <laughs> breed a I'm from the mean streets of Sussex. Yeah. Absolutely, whereas I'm from the posh streets of Hertfordshire. Um, but but is this not... How do we? How do you, how do you tackle this? This is very difficult in an organisation to... I mean, politically, how do you tackle it? Do you introduce new laws? What do you do? Yeah, I think it's quite hard to tackle it once you've already got to that stage. I think once people are already in these jobs, I think to then change attitudes there, I think it's, again, the idea that you have to intervene early. You have to try and stop the divisions and the, the differentiation between, you know, kind of richer people and poor people at the, at the start. I think once people get there, I don't know how effectively you can... Unless you've got a comment that's very focused on it. Is it transparency well, in the same way with the gender pay gap? Is it just, just exactly. making everyone's wages Exactly. I think kind of open? awareness and, and, the, and, and when organisations are looking to increase diversity, then, the, then this is one of the things that they should um, be looking to, mm. to even out. Because we're we're, th- there are lots of organisations that's now quite hot on, the, um, on, on sort of gender disparity and also um, employing more ethnic minorities. But this is something which you don't really mm. see, see very much of. It's not really in the public eye. And also, but but I but I uh, uh, one of the um, but one of the things that you mentioned, Owen, uh, which um, which I think is has already been called out when it comes to women, at least, is that we should put the onus on on people to uh, who might be discriminated against to put themselves forward more. Um, and I think this is this shifts the focus away from the employer, um, where I think and I think that the the responsibility for for evening out disparities in the workplace should start with the organisation itself rather than the than the people um, who are possibly getting discriminated against. I think, that's a, I think that's a really good point because if you come from a background and and, and your family background is not one of particularly high wages, for example, you might not realise that you're entitled to higher wages. Yeah. But if you come from a background of a family who always get high wages, you think, oh, I should be getting paid for this. So yeah. I, I think that's totally right, that you're asking people to think outside of a of perhaps of a world they, they don't know. And I think you're completely right that the onus shouldn't be on the employee. So yeah. we're all going to go off now and compare our <laughs> pay slips, right? <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that we're all... Because I'm only on about... About, like, 
five ten, p a week. Ten grand a day. That's <laughs> you're, on, you're on ten grand a day. Yeah, that's a thousand a Yeah, but the pound's gone down so much. Anyway, so that's that's it for this week's Commons People podcast. I'm sure Mr. Paul War. He's off to Washington, isn't he? I mean, what's he going to be doing over there? Walking around, I don't know. Like just thinking he's in like the West riding Wing. Riding in yeah. gold lifts and stuff. <laughs> just I riding in gold lifts. Do you think it's like the West Wing or House of Cards? Which I think he'll be gonna... in a motorcade right now. I think it's like he? I think it's like in the loop, isn't it? Yeah. Like you said before we went before we recorded it. It's like in the loop, isn't it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're allowed to recycle, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, Paul, if you're listening, Martha said it's going to be like in the loop. And right. we were saying nice we things. We were saying that's Paul is going to be working bloody Absolutely hard. Absolutely nailing all that yeah. journalism. Doing all that. He loves the journalism, doesn't he, old Paul? Anyway, right, we better go and do some. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.